A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 157 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and right on your own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like the slime on a hut, the EU guru himself, the count of two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. Ew. Hey, everybody. <laughs> the slimy, slimy, slimy. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he slithered in so suddenly. No, everybody says I look like Harry Potter. That's Gryffindor, not Slytherin. <laughs> I do want to kick us off a quick contest here uh, in acquiring things for from the Star Wars home video library. I recently acquired a beta copy that I was needing of the films. And as part of the lot in which I acquired that, they also included some DVDs, but I've already got copies of these DVDs. So rather than just letting them sit here, I figure, hey, why not, you know, give them out here through the show. Turns out, what I have sitting here is the prequel trilogy and a bonus DVD that was exclusive at the time to Walmart. So, if you're interested, here's what you could win through this contest. We've got the original widescreen two-disc DVD releases of The Phantom Menace from 2001, right? It was released in 2001, even though the film was in 99. It first came out on VHS. DVD was a couple years later. The two-disc original DVD release in widescreen also of Attack of the Clones from 2002 and Revenge of the Sith from 2005. Plus, with it, the single DVD disc release of what's referred to as the Story of Star Wars. It was a special release that basically does a quick recap of the original trilogy and a recap of the prequels up to the beginning of Revenge of the Sith that was released as a special bonus disc packed in uh, in a separate DVD case, but packed into the, the wrapping, if you were to buy Revenge of the Sith in 2005 at Walmart. So we have here what may be a disc that a lot of folks have never seen before, plus the original versions of the three prequel films. Obviously, they're a little older, the cases themselves a little bit worn in terms of the plastic, but the discs, great shape, the inserts, great shape. A uh, chance to get this trilogy if you haven't picked it up before without actually having to drop any money on it. And you get that bonus DVD as part of your collection here. So, if you want to win these, very simple. Email swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. In the subject line, put DVD giveaway. And in the body of the email, make sure you tell us your name and your mailing address in case you win. Now, these feedback episodes are being released throughout most of January, so let's just make it a nice, clean, easy-to-remember end for the nerds out there like me. 
We'll say this contest deadline is the Ides of March, right? From Julius Caesar, March 15th. Gives you plenty of time to get your entries in, but hey, only one entry per person, folks. Good luck. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time. How many blades are we going to end up with by the time we get to episode 9? Or simple ones that perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode, we turn once more to you Beyonders. This week, this third week in a row, your feedback is center stage. Now consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentience of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. Now, the last email from Kenny actually sort of crosses over with one of the previous ones. It was sent around the same time with some added thoughts to it. Um, so I just get into the added thought aspect of it here. Uh, he says that he agrees that 2014 was an odd year for Star Wars comics with Dark Horse Comics losing the license to Marvel with Star Wars returning home, one might say. He mentions, in addition to what he's already said, that Brian Wood's Star Wars Volume 2 wasn't so great, and the fact that it and some others didn't get a true ending was disappointing, and that right now, with the EU changing over to Star Wars Legends, as he said many times, he says, I've had no issue with it, and we'll see if there'll be more stories moving forward. The whole issue with the no true endings, uh, you know, not just to those series, but to Legends in general, I think that's the disappointing thing about the whole handoff. Uh, and... and then you have the fumble of moving forward where you've got products that were coming out and being created that the authors, as they were creating them, didn't even know if this fell into one or the other. So it's like that, that is really sad across the board. Yeah, I think that we've we sort of beat the dead horse like crazy or the dead dark horse like crazy when it comes to the the legends to story group canon thing. Suffice to say, uh, jury is going to be still out for it. For a while, we will see how it pans out once we get a couple of years of stories behind us to see whether it really was a necessary step. I think it will be once we see episode seven, um, but we'll see. We'll see how the whole thing develops once we get the chance to actually get some uh, some stories under our belts there. Speaking of stories under their belts, I wonder if we're ever going to get an email from Jackson. Jackson? No. But the man who voiced him in Star Wars Marvels? Why, yes. Yes, we have. We have a trio here, not nearly as long as some of those previous ones, but uh, detailed as well, coming in from Andrew Gilbertson. Uh, we'll end off our episode here with Andrew's trio of comments. His first, he says, In response to the issues, one commenter raised on everything catering to, quote, fans of the original trilogy only. My initial response is to offer a snarky but honest opinion that they are recognizing objective quality, that practical sets do look better than CGI, that the storytelling of the original trilogy is quantifiably better than that of the prequels, etc. Perhaps even that the original trilogy and its style garnered a lot more fans than the prequels. I don't know the numbers, and that may not be true, but it makes a lot of sense to me. But even leaving that aside, in the politest possible sense, isn't it about time? Aside from the occasional reference in Clone Wars and what felt like a token series of post-Return of the Jedi books, 
from New Jedi Order onward, a single line to keep the publishing era from closing up completely. What have we had in the last 15 years that was original trilogy themed? Sure, a single book line with one release at a time, compared to dozens at a time of prequel or Clone Wars themed books. I guess one could argue The Force Unleashed and The Force Unleashed 2, but they focused heavily on prequel legacy characters like Shock T as much as original trilogy elements. We had an animated series focused wholly on the Clone Wars, which oftentimes directly screwed over continuity from the original trilogy era. I guess what I'm trying to say is, we've had a decade and a half of prequel-focused Star Wars, to my mind, to the franchise's detriment, others' mileage may vary, with only the most meager of comparative original trilogy material accompanying it for fans of that era. Now we're moving into a new movie directly tied to the original trilogy era with characters from it. So yeah, I think it's only logical to have an original trilogy feel, and long past time to equalize the tie-in materials that have been either prequel trilogy or between trilogies focused. I don't think there's any ground for prequel trilogy slash Clone Wars fans to complain, considering the length of their era-exclusive catering that the tie-in materials have given them. Beyond that, it doesn't make much sense for media about original trilogy characters in a post-original trilogy setting to have more prequel stylings and designs, nor to, say, focus more on heavy CGI, using the example from the letter that you read in a previous episode, when that was one of the most frequently derided aspects of the prequel trilogy. In short, yes, they're now catering to the original trilogy. You can look at it as recognizing the superior quality of the original trilogy, you can look at it as an olive branch offered to EU fans who've lost a lot more in Legends than prequel trilogy fans have. You can look at it as a logical extension of telling a story moving forward from the original trilogy that ought to focus on evolutions of the OT style rather than nonsensical throwbacks to an era 50 years before it. Or you can look at it as marketing to an underserved section of the fan base that have been on meager rations for the last 15 years. But whatever way you look at it, it's kind of a no-brainer to move from prequel saturation to an original trilogy focus, which is where I think the nostalgia of most of the people who are going to be buying movie tickets and merchandise lies anyhow. And of course, as Mark mentioned, it's getting back to the roots of Star Wars, of what is considered an undebated classic in the annals of sci-fi and movie history, rather than building a foundation from a controversial, quality variable product that doesn't have any logical story connection to the new products anyway. Sincerely, Andrew Gilbertson. Yeah, I mean, well, well said on that. I mean, it, it makes me stop and think, you know, you, you mentioned the 15 years where there wasn't much of that stuff. And I was like, well, there's that whole, you know, they've gone to the refresher so many times gag. And, and then I stopped and thought about it. And I'm looking at my books and truly the, the majority of the stories being retold in that era, I think, were comics. Uh, you know, there were some books, but there's just not that many books. And there were gaps in the books, uh, you know, during the Bantam Age. And I look at it more like, you know. Everything that we had when we got the Legends announcement and everything that was Star Wars to me at that point, the films and the EU, that continuity of all of that together stayed as one and the films themselves were reboot. And at that moment, you only had the films and the Clone War TV show. And so, you know, I get that they need to go back and, and flesh out this era, especially if they're moving towards these characters as elder versions of themselves. So seeing that progression, 
as a starting point of the new timeline makes sense. I mean, you know, when I think about where I was when I first started getting into the books, when I first had Heir to the Empire given to me and the other books that were available at that time, you know, my fandom didn't grow then. It wasn't until, you know, two or three years later uh, when the special editions came out and were back in theaters and I went back again and I was looking, then there were more books out there. Still weren't that many, but there were enough that as I was collecting those more years passed and the better books came out, I was one that got hooked on the new Jedi order. So, you know, once it got to that point, then there were more books that we'd moved beyond that. And I felt like I'd traveled with Luke. I think for me, the hardest point is going back and, and traveling with this Luke because I, I really, I still loved the old Luke and I loved his family and all that stuff. And, you know, I want to know about his kid and, his niece and and those adventures still, you know, I'm excited about this new one, but at the same time, there's a part of me that, that does not want to let go and doesn't feel like I should have to let go to enjoy both. I mean, they, there should be a way that we should be able to have both stories go. And that's the dead dark horse story that we're beaten to death. So Nathan, any other comments from you on that one? Well, I mean, it seems like it is, yeah, as he's saying, it's an obvious no brainer kind of thing for star Wars marketing now to be focusing on the original trilogy era. That's going to be where your connections are to The Force Awakens. Uh, it turns out that that's where they decided to put Rebels leading into that. You know, that five-year plan that they talk about in a recent episode apparently now takes us about a year past A New Hope, presumably. So, you know, who knows how it's going to wind up fitting in, possibly fitting in with the films and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to be building on what made Star Wars great in the first place and what's going to fit into so much of what's coming out now. I mean, it is sort of a no-brainer thing. What strikes me is this idea that it's about time. And I agree. I mean, it's about freaking time that they did it. I mean, the last prequel film was in 2005, and yet so much of the focus has still leaned in that direction or leaned on series building off of it that weren't all that good, dark times, but saying, hey, well, it's getting into that era. It's building off the prequel era. We need it. This series... It needs to be there. People love the idea of Dark Times when it was first announced. And the series itself sucked, but it was still going. Uh, I would argue, again, and part of it's probably because the guy that was editing the Star Wars line and making the decisions on probably which series existed and which didn't was the one making the call. Um, but you got sort of this prequel malaise kind of thing. There were a lot of people frustrated by it. A lot of the prequel tie-in stuff originally wasn't all that strong, like Star Wars ongoing that eventually became Republic back when it was just Prelude to Rebellion and Outlander and stuff like that. Um, and there was a glut of it. With Star Wars publishing, it was like there was the strong days in the early 90s. Relatively strong books, although they became sort of super weapon of the week type books. Plus series like Dark Empire, Tales of the Jedi. And then it was, ooh, the Phantom Menace is coming! Let's put out a bunch of stuff. Doesn't matter if it's quality, just put out a bunch of stuff. And because the film had sort of a weaker foundation, I think, in a lot of ways, so did some of that material. Um, you know, let's put out all these different comics and do variant covers. One of the times that Dark Horse really started to do a lot of the variant cover things with photo cover and art cover of everything for a while, it seemed like. And as things went on and the prequels got darker, the prequels as films got stronger... So did the tie-in materials to go with it. But it was just sort of this glut of, here's what we're going to do. For a while there, you really couldn't blame them because they got the golden opportunity when they were told that they could go through and create the Clone Wars for three years and actually fill in that gap, which was awesome. Very dark, but awesome. 
And then the Clone Wars cartoon series came in and smashed it all to pieces. Um, you can't really blame them for being so prequel-focused for a while, but it certainly took the original trilogy stuff and sort of shuffled it to the side. And what we got, instead of strong continuations in a lot of ways, was somewhat lackluster, like Crucible, like Rebel Heist, like Star Wars Volume 2. Instead of really giving those characters their due and giving us something as strong as some of the other stuff that we had seen, even the people who created the really strong stuff, like Timothy Zahn with the Thrawn trilogy and the Hand of Thrawn duology, started putting out crap. It was more of a, well, we're going to use these characters. We don't know what we can do with them because they've already done so much stuff. So instead of putting a new spin on it or trying to be creative, let's just put out something with them on it and a familiar name on it, and it'll make some money. It'll be an instant bestseller because of the name and the characters that are attached to it. Um... It's always going to seem weird to me when I watch the Star Wars stuff, uh, when I watch the films and the TV shows, for instance. It's always going to feel weird to me how unbalanced it is now. Because to me, growing up for 20 years, Star Wars was Han, Luke, Leia against Vader, against the Emperor and the Empire. That was the core of what Star Wars was. And the prequels mm -hmm. were supposed to be this backstory, that they're essential backstory. But their backstory, that's why Lucas didn't produce them at first, because he had this backstory in his mind, but he wanted to pick up with episode four, essentially, he wanted to pick up in the middle of the story and see, bringing down the Empire and the story of hope and the mythology of it, rather than saying, hey, let's do a tragedy that's very dark and see the formation of the Empire from a Republic. That's why it was backstory. And yet, if I want to go through and watch the stuff that's now story group canon, which sometimes I like to do, if I want to sit down and watch... You know, the films, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. But if I really want to be honest, now I've got to include the Clone Wars film and I got to include the Clone Wars TV series. So it could take me weeks and weeks to get through all the prequel era stuff and then zip through the classic era stuff in the blink of an eye. Because the volume of material out there, Lucas driven material, is now so ungodly skewed toward the prequels. Mm. By having six seasons of the Clone Wars and a Clone Wars film attached to these films that were supposed to be basically backstory for the core three. And now the core three almost felt like an afterthought in that sense. I'm glad we're getting more stuff tying into it, and especially glad that we're getting Star Wars Rebels. Because at least by the time Rebels goes a few seasons, hopefully, Star Wars will feel like it is starting to be balanced again. Bring balance to the saga between prequel era and original trilogy and its characters era. I think The Force Awakens will help do that. The new films will help do that as well. But right now, whether we're talking recent publishing or we're talking about what's seen on film with Lucas's direct involvement, it's very prequel skewed and has been for a while. It'll be good to see it tilt back. Yeah, you know, when you say that, I, I, I see the, the scales of justice. <laughs> Jink is like, okay, yeah, it is pretty obvious. Argument well made. Now, he sent an addendum to that shortly thereafter. Not necessarily for inclusion within that email, but just sort of an afterthought as well that he said, having listened to another episode that we had produced. Andrew says, it looks like you did cover a lot of the same ground. Nathan, I suppose that an alternate title for my last email which didn't have a subject line, by the way. And the point I was trying to avoid aggressively stating is uh, prequel fans, check your privilege. Or where do you get off whining when the last decade and a half has been all about you? 
Granted, he does put a smiley face behind it, so please don't turn around and bash him for that. It's a way of summarizing in kind of a snarky way what he was trying to say. At least for this fan, he says, after the Legends Nightmare, it's only the close hewing to the original trilogy that's keeping my fandom intact. And that, combined with the fact that, in my humble opinion at least, the original trilogy was genius, whereas the prequel trilogy was largely crap, and I think Disney knows that, those are the factors I think truly account for the original trilogy focus, because they know what they need to do to keep the lion's share of the interest. Andrew. It would be interesting, I think, to actually, I mean, I can't imagine that we'd actually get them to say it. Maybe we could get Dave Filoni to say it, because he seems somewhat more unguarded about uh, Lucas's influence and trying to sort of temper that at times in some of those recent Q&As he's done since Lucas has been out of the picture. Um, like the ones that are being released on StarWars.com and all. But I wonder if you could ever get someone, even if Disney's decision to focus on the original trilogy in terms of uh, story group canon stuff, like what we're getting with Rebels or like what we're getting with, you know, uh, the new comics coming out that are focused in on it and like the new novels like Heir to the Jedi and so forth, as opposed to any real prequel era stuff. I wonder if we could ever get them to say, yeah, the classic trilogy, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a classic. Prequels? Not so much, or not as much. Um, see if we could ever get them to admit that, even if that is the reason. Because I can't imagine from a PR perspective, they would ever want to basically downplay those other parts of the saga. I mean, it's just not the way that businesses tend to work. You don't turn around and bash part of your product line, even if it's not what you're focusing on. You make it sound like everything has always been, you know, rosy. <laughs> Well, I, I was always curious. Pablo had once tweeted our podcast account on Twitter. Uh, you know, Stars Beyond the Films was an interesting place to be uh, coming up in the future or something like that or in a, in a world dominated by films or something along those lines. Uh, that was before he deleted his Twitter account and then started a new one. I, and I always wanted to know what, what he meant exactly by that. Uh, you know, Andrew, the comment about check your privilege, I that one, I it's it's funny because like, it rings a truth to me. I mean, it, it seems like each fandom, well, not even fandom, but our fandom, each core group of fans, and I mean the, the group that, that is absorbing it now, you know, like this is their first Star Wars kind of thing. Uh, you know, those that, that the Clone Wars was their first Star Wars. Rebels is their first Star Wars. Uh, the Force Awakens will be their first Star Wars. Those groups of people. Um, you know, for me, I was the New Jedi Order kind of was my first Star Wars beyond Star Wars, you know, because I, that was when I got into the book side of things and got into the reality of there's a continuity. You know, once I think you make that jump from there just some movies to there's a continuity and knowing what the term canon means and all that stuff, I think that's when you realize what the fandom is. But when you're younger and you're in that group and that moment of your fandom and it's growing and then it comes to that close and then we move beyond it and, and the marketing aspect is always, you know, focus on what's now and put all of our efforts into now. And I always, you know, see that each group that was in that moment, once it's past them, they always feel left behind. Uh, and, and, and then there's that aspect of entitlement and privilege and stuff. And, and, you know, you saying check your privilege. I think that's a, a good thing for all fans to remember at times is that, you know, we've been very lucky to get really cool stories and legends and really cool films to have these TV shows and stuff. And we do want it all to continue. And we want the stuff that we love to continue. 
but there is that aspect of we should always remember to check our privilege and remind ourselves to be humble about the fact that, you know, this is a product that they're giving to us that they didn't have to. Uh, and, and I just, I don't know, it's something about that aspect of how the fandom works and how I've seen it and how, you know, today's group, while they may feel like, you know, it's, it's all about me right now. I know as soon as we move on from this project to the next one, they're going to be the ones feeling like, Hey, I want my project back. I mean, there was a certain core group of people that felt there was justice seeing the clone wars fans scrambling doing their save this, the clone wars campaign. And then it turned around and then it's, you know, now you got the continue legends group that want legends to continue in some form or fashion. And then you've got factions and that, and you've got those clone wars fans that are kind of like hey, 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 snickering at them. And again, it gets back to that check your privilege. I mean, you know, we're, we're all privileged to get star Wars, but we're not privileged enough to get what we want. Yeah. I think that just, it's, you hit it on the head as far as just the idea that everybody has their own way of getting into the saga. And that's going to define what star Wars is to them, at least to start with the kids getting into the clone wars. Kids now getting into Rebels for the first time, or getting into Star Wars through Phidias and Ferb, perhaps. Uh, for us, it was growing up with the original trilogy. Uh, for others, it'll be the prequel trilogy that they grew up with. I mean, heck, you know, you've got people who have a very dim view of, say, the original trilogy on Blu-ray to the point where they will never buy it until or unless Disney puts out the unaltered version on Blu-ray specifically because it's not their version of the original trilogy that they grew up with. I My roommate, think, yep, that was him. He he got the despecialized that he got from some other friend, and that is all he will watch. He will not, he would not even let me buy uh, Rebels when I went down to get it from the store he works at. He wouldn't sell it. I had to have my daughter go and sneak it because he was like, you can't buy that garbage. And I'm just like, are you kidding me, Joe? Come on. You know me. You know I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I think what it comes down to is you keep fandom healthy if you're willing to accept the different views. If each side or each different little faction or mini faction is able to be intellectually honest about their particular fandom, about other fandoms, and at the same time are fair to one another. Um, I mean, for instance, you talk about the Continue Legends thing, and I don't say too much on it here, aside from the fact that I don't think it's going to happen, but I kind of think that the whole Continue Legends campaign out there and the hashtags and the Facebook pages and stuff, same as with, you know, Save Clone Wars, I think they're kind of pointless because mm -hmm. I don't see anything actually coming out of it. I don't think there's any chance they'll actually be successful because it's a business decision that's essentially already been made. And we, being, meaning any niche group of fandom, we're always going to be a very small part of the overall public that's actually buying Star Wars stuff. So our voices, just like with, you know, legend stuff in the past, our voice may be heard, but it's not the loudest voice. It's not the squeaky wheel that's getting the grease every time. But I can acknowledge that the people who are part of that movement, they feel very passionate about it. They want to see something made. They want to see the change made. I think that most of the people in that movement recognize it's very unlikely to happen, but they want to make sure that presence of the idea is still out there so that it stays on Disney's radar. So it's yeah. not something that Disney just kind of sits aside and forgets about. Yeah. Um, I think there are the, those people who are very much fundamentally against the prequels, if they're being fair, are able to at least look at it as, well, I look for different things in my Star Wars than other people do, so maybe to these people, 
the tragic side of Star Wars, the darker side, that is what to them is most important. So that's their fandom. Um, I would never want to have us as, you know, as a show, uh, or me in particular, and certainly I'm sure I probably tipped that direction back in my Chrono Radio days where I was much less moderate, so to speak, much less balanced in my opinion. I was much less, we report, you decided much more, I report, I tell you what I think. Um, I would hope that we won't be like some of the podcasts out there who shall remain nameless, who basically bash any fans who disagree with them. There have been podcasts out there who rip into anyone who is an Expanded Universe or a Legends fan um, simply by virtue of the fact that, well, it's not the films. And, well, if you believe this or if you like this, you're stupid. And basically belittle people because of what their preferences are. As long as it's the old line about, you know, there's no such thing as a wrong opinion. I would say that Mm -hmm. that is not accurate. There's no such thing as a wrong opinion as long as it is intellectually honest and based on fact. If my opinion is that, you know, it's rather warm outside today because I don't like the heat and whatnot, that's, you know, based on my thoughts on what's a comfortable temperature or not. That's an opinion-based thing. But if I walk outside and say, uh, golly, it's absolutely below freezing outside, okay, and it's not below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, then no, that's not a valid opinion. You can say it's cold, it's chilly, but it's not your opinion to say it's below freezing if it's not. You Would know, it be similar if I were to come inside and say it's 70 degrees outside and come inside and say, it's below freezing out there, I'm turning the heater up right now. Yeah, or, or with Star Wars, to say, you know, I dislike the prequels because such and such and give some reasons for why you don't particularly like the prequels. Fine. But to come in and say, you know, I dislike the prequels because they're crap. Okay, well, give us some actual reasoning behind what you're saying. Opinions should always be able to be backed up, even if what it's backed up by is more opinions. But you shouldn't have opinions based on false information. And that's you, that's where the whole personal canon thing comes in for me, right? I mean, it's not because people have differing opinions on what they like. It's because if you come in with personal canon as your basis of argument in a discussion that's in the broader fan community, in general, what you're usually doing is an intellectually dishonest discussion because you're choosing facts that are not actually facts by saying certain things don't exist because you don't like them. Um, Everyone can have an opinion, but those opinions should, in theory, be valid. Otherwise, you're kind of demeaning yourself in the process. And we need to recognize that in fandom there are going to be other opinions. And as long as you are willing to be fair and intellectually honest about those opinions in relation to your own, I think fandom just keeps on going. It's kind of a this too shall pass in terms of every new movement, every new niche, every fan clash that's out there. As long as it's not, oh, my opinion is right, your opinion is wrong, or what I like is good, what you like sucks, therefore you're a bad fan. Um, it reminds me of when Dennis Miller did a rant back on his show when his show was still on HBO about religion and the clash between religious groups and terrorism based on religion. And says, you know, how ridiculous is it that people kill each other over spiritual faith things, not scientific things, but faith things, because you're basically saying, I'm going to kill you because I believe my belief in the unknowable is more valid than your belief in the unknowable. 
and therefore I must kill you. Therefore you are wrong, you must die. You know, religions are a perfect example of the way that fandom in a lot of ways should probably work. There's a lot of stuff about religions that cannot be proven no matter which religion you're talking about. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of perspective. It informs your worldview. But should it be something to kill over in fandom? Should an opinion about something that cannot be empirically proven, like the quality of a show, should that be a reason to foment hate in fandom? Apparently, in the case of some fans out there and some shows out there, at least in the past, I haven't listened to those particular shows in a long time because of the fomenting, the anger. Um, apparently it is. But I'd like to think that for the majority of fans, it's not, and that that's the attitude that's going to prevail. Well, I, I don't know about other shows fomenting anger because I, I have no time to listen to anybody's shows. I only listen to my show, really, because I'm editing it. Uh, with the hashtag legends, though, I mean, I, I do have a strong opinion there. And, you know, I agree with a lot of what you say. You know, we've talked about it before. I think with me, like, I use the hashtag legends. I think that's or not hashtag legends, but hashtag continue legends. I use that mainly as a way to feel like there's other fans out there that feel the same as me and i think like if there's ever a shot using that and capitalizing on like twitter making that a trending movement and keeping it a trending movement showing that there actually are people out there that would like to see it continued my thing is is like even if you have a small degree of desire to see legends continued you should you know throw one out there let people know that you would like to see it i mean i truly don't th see it happening if it is going to happen, it would be five to ten years down the road. Uh, that's that's when I think it would happen. But I'm I'm one of those that do think it needs to stay prevalent on people's minds and Disney's mind. And I think if it has that chance, it needs to be like a snowball becoming an avalanche down at the bottom of the mountain. You know, we need to use this hashtag movement to do it. The, the, the group side of things, there's so many groups that want to just tear down, you know, and be anarchy about it to get what they want. And that's the wrong direction. It's not what I'm about. And what's decidingly upsetting for me is anytime I've even used hashtag continue legends with our page and stuff, there are people that just tell me to get over it right off the get go and, and that I just need to give this new stuff a chance. And it's like, I'm not saying not to give the new stuff a chance. I'm saying give me both. There is nothing wrong with seeing it how George Lucas saw it as a parallel universe. He had no problem with it continuing with his stuff. Why would Disney as the new Lucas have a problem with it? Uh, I think from a marketing standpoint, what they're doing by holding most of their stuff makes sense. I say most of their stuff because the old Republic is going and that is legends. Uh, you know, after all the other stuff ended and stuff, we were still getting things that had to do with legends. We still don't know exactly what's going on with certain fantasy flight games because there are still aspects of legends in it. Um, you know, and how that's working. So I could see them continuing aspects of legends even if it isn't the core story for now and down the road doing the continued story that's why i'm really looking forward to our our you know tales that have been left behind or the the story options episode that we're going to do next year that you know highlight all the potential stories that legends still could tell uh the endings that weren't wrapped up as kenny crowley had said uh you know so for me it, it's really upsetting though when people are like just get over it it's like you know i'm trying to get over it you know, I, I, I've got, when I, I don't even do the math because that makes getting over it even harder. When you think about the universe that I have on my bookshelf right behind my hand right now and the journey I have taken with Luke Skywalker already. And I, 
I admit, you know, like I'm a huge New Jedi Order fan, but after that, it wasn't as good for me. That ride, I, I was very disappointed with a lot of my favorite characters, but I still, I accepted it for what it was and I took the journey. And that journey has still emotionally paid. Uh, Crucible was not a conclusion for me. It was a handing off. And you can't hand off if you shoot the runner that's getting it dead in the head. And, you know, I, I don't want to see that. And so that's why I will always continue Legends hashtag because, you know, th- those characters are on my shelves. Those characters are near and dear with me. Those are the characters that I have grown with. That doesn't mean that I don't want to grow with these new characters, though. I, I want to see where they go. I want to see how how Luke gets to where he's at in this because – you know, as a Marvel fan, I absolutely love the concept of a multiverse. The Spider-Verse story that's going on right now allows characters that have died to be brought back to life because it's it's they're jumping between multiverses and time frames. So you're able to get characters from comics that I have that aren't even connected to each other. And they're all connected right now. And it works because it's staying true to Marvel's truths. You know, like the new Star Trek films are staying true to Star Trek's truths. You know, call it a reboot. I say that's quite frankly wrong. It's not really a reboot. Follow their their stuff. Everything had to happen for them to jump back in time and for the new films to take place. It's all part of one continuity. They just have jumped into an alternate dimension, an alternate universe. And that concept, as a fan of just sci-fi in general, I'm very open to and very keen on. But that doesn't mean that I, I need to just get over Legends and the fans that think we should and that we need to, you know, th- that gets back to, you know, the check your privilege. And because I'm such a big fan of metaphors, similes, and analogies, two for you. If you have a fan who's basically saying, we don't want to do anything with Star Wars, we want to see the franchise itself fail because I don't want these new books, this new continuity I want the old one, and if I can't get the old one, screw it all. Isn't that basically akin to buying a new house, loving the house, but then getting into an argument over what color the carpet should be, and when it turns out that you're not going to get the carpet color you want, you burn the entire house down. The roof! The roof! The roof is on fire! We don't need no water! Let the Stargroup cannon burn! Doesn't wind up working out for anybody. You've destroyed the thing that you professed, at least, to love. Or, put it another way, bickering in fandom a lot of times misses the bigger picture of fandom. If you get too niche, if you get too into the microcosm and you start bickering back and forth between your niche little groups, you're not really, A, doing fandom right, but you're also, in a lot of ways, hurting fandom in general. Um, It reminds me of an old blonde joke, and... Please forgive me, I was a blonde when I was very little, now my hair is dark for whatever reason. Uh, my wife is a blonde, so, you know, just bear with me, so is my sister. Uh, I always have to preface that. It's like, it's telling a blonde joke these days is a lot like telling a racist joke. You gotta preface it with, I'm not a racist, but, well, I'm not against blondes, but it reminds me, fandoms bickering a lot of times reminds me of an old blonde joke. Two blondes are walking through the woods and they come upon a set of tracks. And the first one says, I know what these are. These are deer tracks. The second one says, no, they're bear tracks. Deer tracks, bear tracks, deer tracks, bear tracks. And they were still arguing when the train hit them. <laughs> anyway, so hopefully someone out there is laughing at that joke. Um, all right, our last one from 
Andrew and for this episode puts the Legends thing into a somewhat different perspective. Uh, something that is an interesting addendum to his thoughts on this, given that we had seen it a couple of times and spent an episode dealing with those thoughts and sort of the ramifications thereof, which did fire up quite a few people in the listening audience out there. So in an email entitled Legends Again, he says, Hey there, Mark and Nathan. Writing in on a tired old subject with a new perspective that I found in conversation with a fellow Star Wars role player both in understanding my own feelings on the issue and getting a perspective on it from the more accepting side of fandom. When it comes to Legends, I've certainly made my feelings known, but I finally realized the why. Aside from being frustrated at a new contradictory version of events that will require major unlearning of very much that has been learned in order to accept, and the loss of continuance of the stories of characters that I've invested in, the lion's share, the thing that has me talking about a new generation and legacy and the like is the social aspect of fandom. The reason that reassurances about, quote, they're not going to come take your books fall flat is because in that scenario, all I have are the books on my shelf where I can read them. And for fans like me, fandom is not about sitting in a corner, enjoying the things I enjoy by myself. There's a reason that since becoming a fan of Doctor Who, I've recruited a few dozen others me included, and during the 50th year even held screening parties for classic episodes. For me, and I don't think I'm alone in this, fandom is about sharing enthusiasm with a group of similarly passionate people, discussing and debating and geeking out over our shared love. As Star Wars podcasters, I'm sure you know the feeling. The whole point is not discovering something alone and holding it as a private treasure. I think that's a hipster, not a fan but sharing what I've discovered to be fantastic with as many people as possible. It's that interaction and community and shared passion that keeps the fandom energized. And it's that community that I fear losing by legends, as the pool of people who care about or remember or are passionate about the old things dwindles and is not replenished by new fans. As I mentioned before, I'd already had that experience with Marvel Star Wars comics, 70s and 80s Trek novels, etc. The lack of community solo fandoms that give me a taste of the marginalization and isolation that geeks and nerds used to have to deal with in past generations when geek culture wasn't such a chic thing. I don't want the EU to become one of those fandoms. And that's the fear that, you'll still have your books, completely fails to address. Yes, but who will I discuss them with? Who will still be enthusiastic with them when everyone else is consumed with the new adventures of, insert episode 7 protagonist's name? Well, at least I know I'll always have the two of you in that regard. Anyhow, this isn't meant to be a rehashing of my angst. I just wanted to share that insight about myself and the root of all that past angst that I discovered. And more importantly, I wanted to share how the other fan I was discussing it with summed up the feelings in a way that I didn't expect. One equal parts insightful, understanding, and gentle ribbing at the overwroughtness of the situation. He said, Yes, that makes it very clear. You and a whole lot of other EU fans are jilted lovers. EU's new stepdad, Mr. Disney, said, You can't date my daughter anymore. She's just too complicated. I'll print some new copies of old pictures to remember her by, but that's it. You'll have your memories, but you won't see EU anymore in the future. But here's EU's younger sister's story canon that you're free to date. Some fans, the majority, if Star Wars Beyond the Film's feedback is any indication, say, it is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. You still have your memories. 
others, like you, end up saying, that's trite and condescending. The only way I'll ever be happy is to keep seeing EU in the future. The memories only mean anything if we're still together and will be in the future. I've got so much invested in this relationship that I can't move on. And I barely know story canon, but I just know she won't be anything like her sister. I'll never love anyone like I love EU. I need her. There you have it. I think that sums it up pretty well. A little bit of empathy, a little bit of mockery taken in turn. As that conversation eventually concluded, fans like me aren't advocating a plan of action to change how things are, or even suggesting that there was another logical or reasonable outcome to circumstances, and if we may wish that circumstances like the sale to Disney hadn't happened in the first place. We're just working through stages of grief over the loss of our Star Wars first love, moving ever closer to a place of acceptance that will hopefully allow us to enjoy Rebels in Episode 7 just as much as our completely unbothered peers. There are good days and bad days, but we're getting there. Sincerely, Andrew Gilbertson. Man, ah, oh, so many different things right there. You know, uh, the, the tired subjects with new perspectives. I mean, that too is why I love talking with my fellow fans. The, the, the new directions that get spawned just from having someone else added to the conversation. Uh, you know, just those type of things. I mean, I, I don't mind going back and talking with friends about the same subject that I've talked about over and over again. Uh, but at the same time, you talk about the recruiting friend side of things and holy Sith, that is so hard right now. Uh, you know, my friends come over and friends, I, I mean, other families and stuff that I know through scouting and things like that, that some of them are uh, fellow friends that I had in high school, their kids and my kids are the same age and stuff like that. So they come over to see the new studio all set up, you know, and, and the other day, uh, one of my friends brought her little sister over and her little sister's a huge Marvel and sci-fi fan as well. So when she was walking down my staircase, seeing all my figures and stuff, she was just going ape nuts. And her sister's like, oh, wait till you get down below. And then we get down there and uh, I'm talking about the books and I'm explaining them now, you know, these are all legends now. And, and it, it's, it's so, it's so hard to be as passionate about everything that I have on that shelf and what's going forward as the future of Star Wars when I've got this huge shelf of stuff that I can't say is continuing exactly. You know, and then I have to explain about what's going on because, you know, it's kind of like on life support, you know, but wow, you know, which gets me to that whole, you know, sister analogy. I love EU, you know, I love you, Katie. Uh, I love the EU and, and, and that aspect of how it is as a relationship. It's like, holy cow, yes, absolutely. You cannot walk away. There's no way. You're way too invested in that. That there's too many characters out there that the only way I would really be satisfied with them never seeing life as legends would be if their names came over. I would accept new Quinlan Vosses and any other new character names. You know, if Mara Jade was just some tech junkie and that was it, you know, she was Leia's best friend and winter happened to be Luke's love later or something you know i mean you just use names like you do originally you know where the names were being recycled already i don't mind that that would at least give me some kind of acceptance because it is way too hard with the potential that is there when you had so many legends books that were number one bestsellers that why you wouldn't do that eventually once you're not afraid which I, I just, I, I think they're really being stupid in that regard. They're just so afraid that people might be con confused or, or shy away from those new movies and the new product line. It's like, I, we'll buy it all. You really have to have faith in that. Give us what we like and we will buy it all. 
not all of us, some of us will be broke and be starving to try to do it, but we'll be like, I gotta have it. Because that's just the, the nature of this fandom to a degree. I, I think as you mature, it comes down to, you know, what can I afford? What do I really feel like I absolutely have to have? Uh, you know, last episode, the, the points of articulation and, and uh, you know, the, the fact of how the writer, you know, the emailer had mentioned that there were ones that had five points that they didn't want to take and there were ones that had more and they were only getting those ones and they were getting them loose and stuff. I mean, that really struck a chord with me. And it, it just, I don't know. I mean, I, the stages of grief aspect that you abs- you talk about absolutely nails it for me. I mean, this is me trying to accept that this branch of a multiverse that could continue on just simply isn't at this moment and seems dead. I, I don't, I don't like saying that it's dead. There's so many people that are embracing that it's dead and we got to mourn it. And I'm just like, but it's not, it's in stasis, man. You, you know, it's like that Dennis Leary song, you know, J- the Duke's not dead. We put him in a carbonate box. He's, he's just waiting to be thought out. I cannot believe he just referenced asshole on the show. And I've got a feeling he just had to bleep out part of the name of the song. Uh, <laughs> the world's biggest hole. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that the, the stages of grief and the relationship connection there is, is a pretty good analogy for the whole thing. Uh, especially getting into the idea that it's more of a social type of thing. Uh, as time goes on, a lot of what we will see is that I think Legends fandom will start to be more of a niche part of Star Wars than what the mainstream is, because as people leave the saga, as people grow out of it in some cases who are never heavily invested in it, eventually the new people coming in are going to tend to focus on the newer stuff. It's the same thing, you know, expect at some point to have happen with, say, Star Trek and the like, but I think the big thing that Star Wars has against it that other franchises might not is that you know if if you want to get somebody into farscape it's there stargate it's there um star trek you can go watch all the old series because they're on dvd and they're on blu-ray and so forth with star wars the media that are most likely to be accessible to those new people coming in to pick up it's the video stuff but the video stuff is story group canon some of it's in both but it's story group canon um to actively get someone who's new to Star Wars to be willing to sit down and read, especially in the current generation of people who are adolescents and kids becoming adolescents, I have a feeling that's going to become a tougher and tougher thing. That's why it's nice to see they're going to keep stuff on the shelves with Legends and Marvel's going to be reprinting some of the Dark Horse stuff, even if it is Dark Times that they're starting with. But I don't know. I think the fact that it is mostly print or video games on systems that are becoming obsolete, that it's going to be a tougher thing for Star Wars to keep that up, and it's going to feel much more like the Legends is becoming a niche thing uh, as we go along. But it's a great example of it. Uh, the social side of things being what really drives everything. And I'm kind of on that, that same ground of Mark, kind of looking at the saga and thinking with Legends, well, it's not continuing anymore. What do I do? I've talked in a previous episode about not having a lot of space for my Star Wars stuff. A lot of times when I look at those shelves, when I start thinking about doubling up a shelf, like books in front of other books, or, hey, I'll take these and put them in a different container or move them to a different room, I'm looking at the Legends stuff, which is the bulk of that collection, but saying, well, if it's not growing anymore, and how likely is it that I'm going to need to reference those when I'm working on the Star Wars Timeline Gold if most of the stuff that's new coming out is going to be story group canon, Maybe that's the stuff that I could pack away. 
And I never would have considered that prior to the middle of this year. Times in a lot of ways are changing. But I'm also the kind of person who, you know, as I was growing up, I would keep, I don't keep a lot of photographs, but when I actually have photographs, I'd keep them from different stages in my life. Like when I look back at my photographs of high school, I have stuff in there like prom photos, um, like group prom photos. And it took a lot for me to eventually get to a point where I said, here's pictures from different times of my life, but they happen to have X's in them. My parents probably have stuff like that when they're keeping track of stages in my life in their photo albums. I don't necessarily need these for myself, and it's somewhat disrespectful to whoever I am with at a given time, and now my wife, to have pictures from earlier points in my life that I want to remember as an earlier point in my life, but which are featuring X's. And eventually you get to a point where you get rid of those, or you store them away, or whatever you yeah. wind up doing. Deleting them, I guess, nowadays with so much being digital. <laughs> um, it's it's very much like that with the EU for a lot of people. It's that question of at what point am I willing to put it away? And for some fans, at what point am I willing to just sell it all and completely break away from it, perhaps to focus the money on this new continuity that is out there? Uh, although, whatever your approach might be, whatever your feelings are about the Legends continuity, story group canon, and all that, I do think there's one thing that everybody can agree on. If you have a dad who's telling you you can't date his daughter anymore, but don't worry, he'll pass you off to the younger daughter, I think we can all agree that's really bad parenting. <laughs> Uh, you might be on the corner of bum frack and you got a pretty mouth. Uh, last thing I wanted to say to Andrew was, uh, you know, you mentioned that you still have your books and everything you said there. All I have to say to you is you get what I'm talking about, Brother Beyonder. And then beyond that, I want to ask, where are the sister Beyonders? Where are the ladies feedback? I mean, I would love to hear from some of you lady listeners out there because we know we have you. So uh, it's been great. We pissed them all off back when we did the episode about Dragon Con and stuff, I think. Well, I apologize. Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. And remember, you can always listen to episodes of our show streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and our Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in your search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Notifications come straight to my phone. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you guys have any Star Wars and or Legends EU questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash starwarsreport, you get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. 
Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars expanding universe or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate. Because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, like I am, Audible just might be right for us. So, once again, for Star Wars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you. And don't cross the odds. See, now I gotta think of something. That Nathan will think of something. There you go. <laughs> or that they'll come and take our books off our shelves. in the last 15 years that was originally that you know for us it was growing up with the pre the for us it was going fuck for us we went we were like yeah for us it was glow i keep saying glowing i love it as star wars podcasters Oh, there we go. Sorry, I about skipped a line because he wrote very small. You know, with the no true ending type of thing, I. Down the thing, my tongue! My tongue! It's numb! My tongue is numb! Okay, we're good. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>